The entire time I knew him, he only ever had one goal. To wipe out half the universe. If he gets all the Infinity Stones, he can do it with the snap of his fingers. Just like that. Tell me his name again. Thanos. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another fan critical podcast. But today is not uh, a regular fan critical podcast. It is uh, Avengers: Infinity War review. Uh, we have been waiting for, I'd say, years. All our lives. All of our lives for this to uh, this film to come out. About um, a week. Yeah, just a week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've personally been extremely excited for ages. John can uh, vouch for me on that. Yeah. Uh, you can tell. Too much. Too too excited. Yeah. Um, and today we're going to discuss everything in the film and some comic knowledge as well. So just a spoiler warning: uh, we will be discussing <laughs> everything in the film. And some comic knowledge. So if you haven't seen the film, please don't listen to this. Uh, go watch it, come back, and then listen to this. That's uh, my one piece of advice. Uh, because <laughs> this is your warning, it's now time to talk full spoilers. <laughs> Today, I am joined by a man quite like the Hulk, John. Yay! Uh, two lovely ladies, Scarlet Witch, Black Widow, Emma and Lucy, respectively. Hi! Greetings! And very generous, though. That is very generous. And I couldn't believe it, guys, but Gaz made an appearance in this film. As uh, Peter Dinklage's character. <laughs> He's massive. So the biggest character in there. Cheers. Yeah, technically, Gaz, you, you were the biggest character in there. Where's the handle? <laughs> we'll, come on to, uh, we'll come on to that character later. But yeah, Gaz, Gaz, Gaz joining us all the way in Australia. Thanks for getting up, mate. It's uh, very early in the morning there. So uh, good, good, good on you, mate. So guys, it's been about, uh, we just referenced 10 years or so uh, that the MCU has been building ever since that first Iron Man film and the original Hulk, weird Hulk films that came out. Um, mm. And it's all been building up to this, uh, up to this moment. This film is the culmination of all of that hard work, all of the preparation, all of the storytelling that's been done to this point has been leading us to this major villain uh, in in Thanos and also this major conflict based on the Infinity Gauntlet comic uh, series, uh, well, loosely based. There are a lot of differences, yeah. which we will come on to. Um, but I just wanted to get, first of all, your guys' opinions on the film because uh, a couple of us went to see it together and then there were two other groups that went to see it and... I just want to know what you think about it. So, Gaz, coming to you first, because you were completely away from us, thousands and thousands of miles away from us. What was your take on the film? From the start, it was absolutely brilliant. Um, it was hilarious when it needed to be. It was moving when it needed to be. It was just fucking cool when it had to be as well. Um, so it was It was a brilliant film. Um, I was the last one out of all of us to watch it, and... I could feel the tension in our group because 
all you wanted to do was talk about it. It was so frustrating coming out of the cinema because basically <laughs> we went to see it on opening night, a group of us, and then John couldn't see it until the Friday. And then Gaz, you couldn't see it till the Saturday. So the we literally couldn't discuss it with each other. And it was very, very frustrating. Yeah. And now, especially having seen it, I really understand the frustration. Um, you know, because it's one thing if it's just a, a great movie, but which it is. But it's it's a film that sort of demands being spoken about, doesn't it? Like you have to talk to people about it. That is why I am, despite my tiredness and how I might sound at the moment, extremely enthusiastic to be here today. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, I'm going to come to um, the two girls that I saw it with uh, on on the Thursday evening, Emma and Lucy. Uh, we were all sat next to each other in the cinema and, um, you know, the great thing about going to the cinema on opening night is, you know, you get a full crowd in there and, you know, everyone's absolutely buzzing for the film. Girls, what did you think about it? I fucking loved it. It blew my mind. Uh, but I walked out of it not knowing really how to process any of, of what I'd just seen. It was spectacular. There were bits that... Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Um, but overall, I thought it was fucking brilliant. The people that saw it in the cinema with me will know I was... I was really overwhelmed by it, um, which I wasn't expecting. And I didn't really know how to cope. I was kind of shaken. I felt <laughs> sick, had anxiety. It was really, it was bizarre. I've never had a reaction like that in the cinema. Um, my my initial reaction was just, I loved it, but I couldn't I couldn't process what I'd seen because it. I was overwhelmed by it. But I, I, think- I did love it, but I was overwhelmed and I, I mean, couldn't take it in there were four of us on the tube on the way back and none of us could really have a conversation uh, it was about weird it. We, well we couldn't talk about it for two reasons we didn't want to be Homer Simpson coming out of the cinema giving away the end of Empire Strikes Back which I'd already done literally walked out of the cinema and went oh my god I can't believe they killed Black Panther and I'm just like <laughs> I'm like Lucy <laughs> shut, shut the fuck up and I didn't use my podcast voice I was quite loud so yeah we all saw it together and the, the brilliant thing like I said about the cinema is when you go to see a film like this, the audience play a massive role in like getting your emotions, like Lucy was saying, um, like like gasping, yeah. cheering, whooping. So, John, you sent a good video to the group, which was of uh, the moment when Thor re-enters the battle. Yeah. Right. And it's this auditorium or cinema in America. And which, to be fair, every time I've gone to America and seen... Uh, a major film that I saw Rogue One on opening day there and yeah. that was amazing that had a similar sort of vibe the the crowd over there just love it I mean in Britain we're quite reserved yeah. as an audience so yeah. when you hear any noise in the cinema uh, you know in a British cinema you're like bloody hell this must be it gets you really fired up you're well, like, yeah but in like it annoys me it, it, well, yeah but we'll come on to your annoyance in a second <laughs> right. um, come on to your annoyances now why why did you like the film John well obviously I loved I loved it um and I guess that that scene you're referring to, I've watched. Uh, so Thor returning to uh, the what, battle in Wakanda. Wakanda, that is unbelievable. Like that scene, I've I've watched it uh, through illegal videos on YouTube. I've watched it again and again. I reckon I've seen it about a hundred times now. Jesus, in like multiple languages. I'm not going to attempt to do a, a Japanese uh, kind of accent because obviously it's all dubbed. But there are certainly a few videos where it's like. Thanos! And it's like, yeah, all right. It still feels magical. That's so good. Yeah. Um, but look, I uh, I guess to, to potentially echo um, Gaz in, in his uh, 2018 uh, predictions. Uh, Gaz, I know you said that you were fearful um, that this could be kind of uh, the biggest disappointment of the year. Uh, and I uh, and I kind of 
I, I felt the same way. Um, I felt like if this film went a certain way, if it was like an 8 out of 10, it, it, we would probably think it was a bad film. Yeah, that's um, probably fair. Yeah, so you, you kind of go into this. I know, Len, you tried to not give me any clues as to how excited mm. you were mm. um, about seeing the film. Len wanted to text you as soon as we got out, and I was like, don't yeah. let so, him experience so, it yeah, for so, himself. So you guys did fairly well doing that. Uh, and obviously my wife accompanied you guys. Uh, got home, she wouldn't even look me in the face because she just didn't want to give me any clues as to what the film was like. And then she went, oh, well, you know, Len said it's the greatest experience he's ever had in the cinema. And I was like, well, for fuck's sake. I mean, that's a bit of a spoiler. Didn't, didn't you actually say that Len exaggerates quite a lot? Yeah, I called him a hype man and, and he mm. is one. Yeah, uh, sorry for that. But um, I guess with Ready Player One, uh, I said that I liked it, but there was there was a certain magic missing from it. Um I mean, this film has magic in abundance. Oh, yeah. It's excellent. Yeah. And and when, you know, Michelle rightly said there that I did think it was uh, one of the best cinema experiences of my life. I mean, I my heart was racing throughout the film. Um, yeah. I was laughing. Like, the, the humour was on point. It was Guardians 1 humour. It was back to its best. Yeah. Um, and the, the I've, there's never been this that sort of emotion in these Marvel films. I mean, it was it, there has been emotion before, but this emotion was like real, and it was like really, really good, well done, well earned emotion as well. Especially mm-hmm. with a lot of the Thanos Gamora stuff, especially with a, a lot of the interplay between characters. Yeah. Um. So I've actually seen the film twice now. We're only a couple of days after release. I literally went on opening night and then the following night because it blew me away so much. I had to go see it again. <laughs> Um, and a good test is I took my girlfriend to see it who has literally only seen one Marvel film and does not really care. Which Marvel film has she seen? She yeah. randomly, Age of Ultron. Oh, that's not a good introduction <laughs> to it. So that is completely random because there's like, she's missed all the setup. She said, look, I'll go see it with you, um, but I'm warning you now, it's after work, I'm really tired, I'm probably going to fall asleep and I, might, I probably won't enjoy it. Went to watch the film, she loved it. She yeah. was laughing. She was, you know, felt the emotion of the film and she had no connection to these characters. Um, so that's a really good test, I think, to say that the film, like, even if you're not that heavily invested in the characters, it still works yeah. on so many levels. So there's a couple of things here, right? First of all, sorry, listeners, Len has a girlfriend. Um, <laughs> also, I'm pretty sure the last time Len said that is one of the best cinematic experiences I've ever had, it was after we came out of watching Pacific Rim. <laughs> I was going to so say, Len, you brought up there about emotion. I think, you know, on, on the face of it, the film is amazingly action-packed. And, and like you said, it's it's magical, John. But it covers every emotion on the spectrum, which, I mean, the humour is fantastic. There's, there's heartbreak, there's fear, there's all of these other emotions within that. And that, I think, <clears throat> is what makes it such a beautifully well-done film. Yeah. Because it covers everything. I mean, there are moments where I laughed, I did cry twice. <laughs> <laughs> I felt sick. I sort of had, I'm going to say the opposite feeling, but it's definitely not. I don't really know what the opposite of sick is. Diarrhea. <laughs> is that the opposite of sick? <laughs> it's the other end. Let's jump right in to where we pick up. And it is, as expected, we all thought this in the preview podcast when we were chatting about it, we start off uh, with the Asgardian refugee ship. Yep. Uh, with Thor, Loki, rest of the Asgardians. A uh, couple of characters missing, which is a bit odd. Um, so we'll talk about that a bit in, in a bit as well. Mm. But we get introduced to Thanos straight away and the Black Order straight away as they're decimating the Asgardians. Mm. 
Um, what do you guys think about uh, the whole Loki Thor situation and Hulk? Because he's there. Yep, he yeah. turns up. He, he turns up. And What's he, has he doing? A... So Hulk, it was quite a nice moment where Loki, for a change, actually says, yeah. we've got a Hulk, yeah, which is yeah, quite yeah. ironic because uh, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, as Iron Man says that to Loki in Avengers 1. It's gone full circle. It's gone full, so- full circle. And then Hulk bashes in, he's kicking you know, kicking Thanos' ass and you're sitting there going, right, this is good. And then out of nowhere, Thanos is like, right, this is me. I've had enough here. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. It's like letting a puppy attack you and then going, all right, I've had enough, you're biting now. Yeah. Off you get, smashing it into a wall. And that's just a sign oh of, my oh, word. Jesus. What are you attacking puppies for? Yeah, Again? don't ever do that. Yeah, but that's a sign of how powerful he is just at this point with one stone. Yeah. All he's got is the power stone. Mm. Um, so Hulk gets obliterated and then luckily Idris Elba sends him back down to Earth. Yeah. Heimdall. Heimdall. It's a shame because then he gets absolutely obliterated. Yeah. And so he uses the Bifrost to send uh, Hulk to Earth. At the same time, you've got Loki uh, giving up the Tesseract to Thanos to save Thor's life. Yeah. And that means he now has two stones. Mm. And then, as I would like to say, correctly predicted in the preview podcast, Loki dies attempting to kill Thanos. That was stupid that he thought he could kill him. I've got to say, though, Tom Hiddleston's um, portrayal of being killed by strangling was spectacular. Good. It was very, it was quite no, emotional. I think they actually strangled him. Loki is the most common lookalike that I get. So I always have this kind of um, sympathy for him. I always feel like... <laughs> well, he looks like you. Yeah, poor Tom. Poor, poor bastard. It's nice for him to get a bit of a, sort of a hero's death, isn't it? Like, in the end. Yeah, and, well, we'll come on to this right now, guys. Do you think he's perma-dead, permanently yes. dead? Yeah. Yes, um, he should be. Uh, because we know we know he's the, uh, you know, the mischief king, mm. you know, and he has fooled us before. I think there's a telling moment uh, with uh, Loki and Thanos where Thanos is, like, talking to Loki and Loki says, I'm not Asgardian. Yeah, and Loki uh, and I've watched it twice now, obviously. And Thanos looks at him that moment he says that and thinks, "Well, I can kill this guy," because mm. I think obviously you know Thor is obviously as we learn in this film pretty indestructible. But the moment that Loki reveals that he's not actually Asgardian, I think Thanos thinks, "Well, he's pretty useless to me. He's actually not that powerful. I could, <laughs> I could just kill him." Um, so that's interesting. So we all agree that he's permanently dead. Yeah, uh, the ship blows up, um, and we well half of it. Half it blows up. Half of it blows up, yeah. Because I'm going to talk to you about this quickly, guys. We're missing some of the best characters to come out of Ragnarok in this. Korg, the rock thing. He's hilarious. Yeah. Arguably the funniest Marvel character ever seen. And we're missing the Valkyrie. They are still around. Uh, Thanos apparently only killed half of the Asgardians. Yeah. Similar to, that's what he does, just in case you didn't know. That's his MO. He likes killing half of everything. Yeah. So hopefully we'll see them again in part two. I must say, like, my my favourite part of this whole kind of opening um, was actually, like, the music leading in to the film yeah and the distress um, call and the distress call yeah it's pretty strong isn't it? yeah but I, I thought that was really really strong but like, i think that set set the tone for for the film it definitely set the tone didn't it and it put you on edge for yeah. the whole yeah. for the and, whole film with that, anxiety, there was no. no easing into it you went straight in bam loki's dead bam idris elba is dead bam you think thor's dead. and that's what you need yeah. and that's what you need i mean we knew that thor was going to come back because we see the interactions with the guardians and stuff but um we needed to have that emotion right up front. We needed something to say, like, this is not a joke. Yeah. This isn't a joke. This isn't like a stupid, you know, I'm not going to reference DC films, you know, but I am slightly. That Sometimes they lack a bit of heart. 
um, or they try too hard and go the other way and make Superman like depressive and you know all that sort of stuff. So let's move on. Uh, basically, Bruce Banner is uh, he goes to the the Sanctum in uh, in in New York and bumps into one of my favourite side characters, Wong, yeah, and uh, Wong. and Doctor Strange. Um, and then the film titles open and we get the introduction of Tony Stark into this little group of characters. Yeah. So obviously we've got the bit with Iron Man and, and Pepper as well, haven't we? Oh, so if we quick, quickly reference Pepper, I mean, I don't want to because personally she annoys me in this film. She's only got like two two little scenes, mm. one of which on the phone to Tony. I'll come on to that in a bit, piss yeah. me off. And the other one is just kind of pointless. Why did the, the phone one piss you off? What? Why has she got a problem with him trying to save the fucking world? Because she loves no, she him doesn't. and doesn't want him to He's die. He's an Avenger. Yeah, I know, but it's not that simple, is it? I never understand it either. I'm with you, Len. Like, honestly, it's like, yeah, fine. I'll, I won't save the universe. Then we're all going to die. Or half of us will. Like, can 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 you just understand that I've got a job to do? So the, these group of characters are discussing the Infinity Stones, pretty much laying out the plot for the film for everyone. Yep. Um, and they had to say that, you know, the Time Stone is in what we like to think is a nicely named takeaway in uh, <laughs> South London, the Eye of Agamotto. Um, so Doctor Strange has it. Um, and they're trying to figure out the best plan to stop Thanos from getting it when, lo and behold, the Black Order arrive yep. in New York City. <gasps> So good. Um, so Very it's like scary. it's kind of like the black uh, the battle of for New York again, like the whole event, the first event. Yeah, it's, like, it's very similar. Yeah. Um, mini. Very mini version. But you get this amazing action sequence with uh, Doctor Strange and Iron Man and Bruce Banner, which we'll come on to in a minute because the, the use of humour there is brilliant. And uh, Spider Man. This is where the comedy sort of comes into it a bit as well. I love, loved, loved the bit where. Uh, Bruce is obviously struggling to turn into the Hulk now. Maybe because the Hulk has some sort of PTSD now or something yeah, yeah, after yeah. what's happened. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, that annoys me, but that massively annoys me. Yeah, but you think that might be the reason that he, he feels very like... Um, well, yeah, I mean... He's been like he winning all says, these fights and then yeah. literally gets well, beaten I'm up. Not, yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not coming out. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean? He never yeah. wants him to come out. And then the one time he does, it's like, nah. It's ironic, isn't Bloody it? Bloody typical. But it's funny. So whilst he's trying to do that, um, Tony's like... Oh, you, you're in for it now, guys. You're in for it now. And then it, it's not happening. And he looks over and says, dude, you're embarrassing me in front of the wizards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good, that line, man. And that's when you sort of get this tone that, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot at stake, but also, they're, you know, they're witty banter. Doctor Strange ends up getting captured by Ebony Moore, who gets referred to as Squidward. That also made me, <laughs> that also that. made me chuckle quite yeah. a lot. So uh, Doctor Strange gets uh, captured by Ebony Moore. And they basically all stow away on the ship. Ebony Moore, obviously, is sort of, as we said in the preview podcast, uh, he is essentially the anti-Doctor Strange. He is like, you know, he can do a lot of the mystic art stuff, a lot of the... Doctor Normal. Yeah, Doctor Normal, yeah. Um, And he's torturing Doctor Strange, and then, you know, Spider-Man comes up with his plan, and he references aliens, which, number one, I loved. Um, And I was like, what are they going to do here? And they just, boom... The side of the ship uh, gets opened up and he just flies out and it was hilarious. Yeah. And now a lot of people have a problem with that. Why? They had a problem Why? with it for such a powerful character just to well, be sucked out into space. I, I, yeah, I agree. No. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you see him on the street and, I mean, he, he handles himself fairly well. He's quite powerful. What, Ebony Moore? Yes. Yes, yes. very powerful. Um, and a good character as well. Like, yeah, uh, like, he, he's all, like, a, like his delivery yeah. and stuff like that was great. He genuinely believes that Thanos is... 
it's like a show of respect to be killed by Thanos. Yeah. It's like he's, he's giving you he's, the dignity. He's, he's a... comfortably the best of that Black Order. Yeah, oh, yeah. 100%. And I think we'll... we'll quick, do you want to quickly touch on the Black Order now? I think personally that he's other than him... only one that's Other than him, they were weak. Oh, that was shit. Uh, I felt that they felt to me... And I'm not just having to go at DC. They felt to me like a DC villain. Yeah. Like they you just know, dropped Corvus him in there. Glaive is meant to be their leader... Um, and I was like, oh, when, when's he going to kick off? And he didn't really kick off. But we'll stick on the ship. So Ebony Moore, gone. And then we basically have uh, Iron Man and Doctor Strange having their sort of uh, who's got the bigger dick conversation constantly throughout this film. I, I reckon I... Doctor Strange has got the bigger dick. Do you? Yeah. Because yeah. 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 he's a bit more quiet well, about it. Well, Stark, Stark, Stark uses a lot of prosthetics. So, you know, he could, he could work something up, I'm sure. Tony comes up with the idea to, instead of taking the battle back to Earth, um, to go to Titan where Thanos wouldn't be expecting them um, and try and stop him there. Yeah. So that's interesting as a as an idea. Mm. I mean, you've got to think about it. Like Tony Stark had uh, like post-traumatic stress after the first event, the Battle of New York, and that's obviously been playing on his mind quite a lot. Mm. Um, you know, we've got to think these characters aren't used to traveling through space. Well, you know what I mean by that? Yeah. So, so for him, this is like, this is crazy. It's not only tapping into his biggest fears, so, like Spider-Man. I mean, he he's just he's not even the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man protecting all of New York at this point. He's that's only right. ever been working in Queens and that yeah. sort of area. So he's not been on the big skyscrapers yet. And, and he's yet, quite he, rough around there, though. Yeah, well, it is, mate. I've stayed there. Well, yeah. so, you know, I'm sure he's battle-hardened. Yeah, battle-hardened. It's like he's gone through this battle and you actually see the effects rather than like, oh, this has happened and this he's a human, but he's fine now. They actually show that having to partake in that kind of battle as a human, even with, if you have like mechanical superpowers, yeah. is going to take its toll. And I think that's one of the things that lends itself so well to relating to these characters and really caring about them. Can I have a minor kind of complaint? They're on the ship and uh, Spider-Man's about to, well, as they're going up, he's about to pass out. He gets a new suit, which I'm assuming means he can breathe in that atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. Why are they taking their helmets off on this spaceship? And, and then they go to this planet and they're like just knocking about like, yeah. don't worry about... Oxygen and yeah, don't composition. Worry about that. That's such a good point. I didn't even think of that. I was like, what is this? Let's move it on to uh, the more the most fun group in the uh, in the uh, Avengers universe, the Guardians of the Galaxy. They have a Yay. nice little introduction, playing the music, you That's know, fun. coasting through space. You see that Groot is now adolescent Groot. Um, which is quite funny it's throughout the film. Plays game. Um, obviously, he's not as cute as Baby Groot. Oh, I, I have baby to Groot. say... And I, I was waiting for this because I thought this might make me even more unpopular on this podcast. But original Groot, love him. Yeah. Baby Groot, excellent. Teenage Groot, I can't stand him. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> but I cannot cannot doesn't he? stand him. John's going to struggle when he has kids and it, they grow up to be teenagers. Teenage well, yeah. trees. Well, particularly if they're trees, yeah. They say that they're going to investigate a distress beacon. Mm. Um uh, and basically they turn up and everything's destroyed. It's the Asgardian ship and Thor lands on their windscreen. Very convenient. We'll oh let God. it go. Get it off. Get, get it, it off. Get it off. Oh, he's alive. They bring him inside uh, the ship and you have this amazing, this is where the comedy is once again on it's point. my favourite bit. On so point. Good. Drax is like my, one of my favourite characters. Drax anyway. is so amazing. He, I think he is the funniest. He is 100% he is so the funniest. Like his, his timing is impeccable. He's, he's uh, Batista, isn't it? Dave yeah. Batista. He's and a great he's actor. And he's to be invisible, which is really <laughs> so funny. Yeah. New superpower. So unnecessary, but so funny. <laughs> um, so he's, he's absolutely brilliant uh, in this scene and it's basically they call you know they're all pining over 
Hemsworth here over Thor thinking how muscly Glorious he is pirate angel. Yeah. again realism <laughs> like that is what would happen if yeah. you encountered him you would Star-Lord is basically like also playing quite well off of them here like saying oh you know I'm going to get some dumbbells I'm going to start so working funny. out his, his voice that bit was hilarious yeah and then Plek puts the deeper voice on to try and um you know, try and sound like Thor. So good. But this this whole interaction is brilliant and it really, you know, we've had quite a dark opening to the film and this this really sort of brings it back to that levity that we were talking about it has. Yeah. I I love this bit because it was like, it it was like a mini um, version of like a Guardians of the Galaxy sitcom. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really cool. It just kind of captured the, the, the vibe of the original Guardians film and, um, and just incorporated it into this story, so it was it was it was it was great. It was a lovely little diversion, but also quite important in terms of uh, pushing the story along. Very important in terms of pushing the story along, Gareth, because there's a couple of things here that happen. Um, basically, we get the first reveal that we know that the the reality stone is with the collector at nowhere, uh, and we also know that Thor wants to create a new weapon because obviously he lost his hammer. So we have the two two splinter groups here. So we have Thor. Uh, Groot and Rocket, which I actually thought was an excellent they are my new combination of characters. They, yeah. they were the best. So fucking good. So good together. Um, and then you also have the group of Mantis, Drax, Star-Lord and Gamora, who then are going to head to nowhere to try and stop Thanos before he can get his hands on the reality stone. The one thing that annoyed me about this scene is just a little bit of information. And like we said, we have a little bit of criticism every now and then. How do the Guardians not know that the Xandar Corporation a week ago was absolutely obliterated? Yeah. I mean, that is a plot hole because they know about this distress beacon, but they don't know about the fact that the whole thing that they did the first Guardians film Mm. was about the Power Stone and protecting it. You would hear if the Xandar Corporation... Yeah, like Like the peacekeeping corporation of space. Oh, they're gone. They're decimated. So we assume that Thanos has literally gone to that planet and wiped out half of them. You would know about that. How do you feel about the fact we didn't see that? Uh, Good question. Because I felt like we saw it in the trailer, because listening back to our recap, we touched on it, and um, I thought we would see like a smash and grab maybe of him going to get the stone. But it's expositional again. It's like Saruman in the tower... You're not going to see it. You're just mm. going to hear about it. I didn't really care. Mm. I've got to say, like... It doesn't affect the film, but it's it's like for, a thing. Uh, for two and a, two and a half hours worth of film, um, if they were like, well, stick another 10 minutes in there because obviously much, isn't it, Xandar, isn't it? She think, I don't really care, to be honest. Who, who have they got there? They've got John C. Riley over there. and Glenn, Glenn Close. Close. Yeah, so not, you've got not Mel two. Streep. <laughs> I mean, imagine if they replaced the opening of this film, which is the Loki and Thor opening, <laughs> yeah. uh, with the Glenn Close and John C. Yeah, Riley getting eliminated. To be it, fair, that would be yeah. worse, wouldn't it? Gamora, Drax, Mantis and Star-Lord heading to nowhere. And we also have a, a, a sort of a flashback scene. Um, which sets up the Gamora and Thanos relationship in this film, which is extremely important um, because it's got an emotional heart to it. Mm. Like, you know, this is a great thing about the film and we didn't really reference it yet, but Marvel has had a problem with villains. We've said this multiple times. It hasn't had a standout villain. Thanos is definitely their standout villain. Yeah. He is realized in a brilliant way for a giant CGI sort of character that, you know, you can... What do you mean CGI? Well, it's pretty good CGI, isn't it? That's what it looks like. It's pretty, yeah, pretty good. I thought Josh Brolin had a big mask on. And a 
bull chin. A bull chin. Yeah, and a bull chin. <laughs> he has serious motivations that mm. maybe you can buy, and throughout the film, sort of. maybe. It is genocide. Yeah, but... it's genocide. Um, but we understand his motivations in, in a way that it, we get told them explicitly. We understand his, his, his passion and love for Gamora at stages, and we mm. also understand Gamora's uh, hatred of Thanos, but at the same time, you can tell that she does love him still. There's something there still. Mm. Yeah. So it's very interesting, but we get they're going to nowhere. And they turn up there and we see Benicio del Toro popping up again, John. I know. Like he is bizarre in this film. Yes. Like he's acting like it scared me at that that, that that bit where he's just clapping. Yeah, weird. In the box. Just yeah. like what's he saying as well? Bravo. 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 Like, so, what is this? So the, the bit that you're alluding to is when basically they they, they turn up there some other funny little quippy lines from Star-Lord and Gamora pops out, thinks she's killed Thanos, basically shoves a sword through his neck. And at that point, you're like, Jesus. Why does everyone think they can kill Thanos with like a little knife? Well, he doesn't like little knives. Doesn't like little knives. Fact. Allergic. Allergic to him. <laughs> it's revealed that it is the reality stone that is shaping all of this. And as we mentioned in the preview podcast, um, each of the stones has a specific power. Um, and... We were saying that we really hope we get to see some of these in use, like because it just like in the animated series it's really interesting, in the comic it's really interesting, and it was just great that reveal of the reality stone just washing everything away. Yeah. What did you guys think about that, girls? What did you think about the use of the reality stone? Yeah, very good. I mean, it was kind of as soon as she killed in inverted commas um, Thanos, I, you know that's not what's happened, and um, but yeah, the, the use of it is particularly with. We didn't really mention it, or we didn't mention it all, but Gamora says to Star-Lord, if he gets me, kill me, because she knows something um, that she's kept secret that he can't find out. And I I have to say, I mean, maybe I'm jumping ahead a bit, but I said this when we left the cinema, Zoe Saldana was unbelievable in this film. Mm, She really gave it an emotional resonance that has no, no place in a Marvel film, really. I genuinely thought she she kind of held her scenes together so well that you bought it and what what is to come was very emotional for that reason mm. but yeah in in this scene i liked the way they did that and you you the tension when you think you know starlord's got to make the decision whether or not to do her bidding and do as she's requested and then you realize it's all another illusion it was good it didn't go on for too long because sometimes these things when it's like it's not real can go on a bit yeah, yeah. and then be a bit much but i yeah. think it was dealt with really really well but Zoe Saldana we're going to come back to her I'm sure but I genuinely think her work in this film was unbelievable she did so well an absolute standout performance yeah yeah like Gamora and Thanos like together in this just, film yeah. are just excellent finding yeah. link yeah. at some um, points I have to say I, I like I do agree on um on Zoe she's good but she's at least got like the ability to use like her actual face to convey emotion, and yeah. there was a like, lot. And you her think eyes. like like Thanos, this is fucking CGI, oh. and yet his character, um, and the, like the acting and the delivery from uh, Josh, Josh Brolin, Brolin is um, it's just unbelievable. At first, yeah. I thought it's, he was it's too his, downbeat. It's his eyes, though. It's his eyes. Like the, I kept seeing his eyes and being like, this guy is actually like he's all right. It's a little bit tenuous, and his kind of belief in in the goodness of what he's doing but you genuinely believe that he 
believes that i think yeah. i think i i made some crazy notes on the way back from the train and crazy i think notes. he just has a completely different view of existence to humans like he just has a completely different view to us so we think oh he's evil it's like is he evil or does he just see things completely differently to us and mm-hmm. i think he just has a view that we could never understand because we're not titans but actually it's not even about that <laughs> i think it his motivation <laughs> well, is some of us aren't his, well, his, his perspective is actually quite sound if you step away from it as a, as a person part of any of those communities mm. that that you know in in reality if you if you cut half of the need for resources, the resources are enough. It makes sense. Oh, this is the start of Emma Phillips turning into a supervillain. <laughs> no, 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 no. That, that happened a long time ago. I think we'll stick with uh, the because we've mentioned it a lot here. But we might as well stick with the Gamora and Thanos stuff because it is the central through line of the film at times. Um, and we'll take it right up to the point where he captures her because that's the whole point of him being there in nowhere is not only to grab the stone but also to capture Gamora because mm. he knows after torturing Nebula that she knows the whereabouts of the Soul Stone, mm-hmm. which is on Vormir. That's completely blindsided all of us, I think, when we thought about where the Soul Stone could oh be. No God. one thought that the, the Red yeah. Skull had it on Vormir. Yeah, well, I think we'll stick with Gamora and Thanos and, and, and stick on this journey with them now because it's important to stick with the characters while we're, while we're on it. So when they're walking across Vormir, it's this big kind of desolate expanse with a giant mountain. Um, yeah. They're walking very slowly, aren't they, Gamora yeah. and Thanos? <laughs> Like, it would have taken them weeks at the pace they were going. What are they going to be talking about on that walk? Yeah, like, it's a long that would have walk, just mate. been the most awkward walk that you could imagine. What have you been up to? Your... What have you been <laughs> yeah. up to? Well, stones uh, and that. Just doing stones and that. Yeah, getting some stones. I just sort of sitting around in space before that. Um, so they go to the the mountain on, on Vormir, uh, Gamora and Thanos, and like Lucy just alluded to, we see Red Skull. That is mental. And uh, Lucy, you've got a very famous Red Skull impression, haven't you? There is nothing for you here, Arwen. Only death. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Hugo film, Weaving. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it works, doesn't it? Yeah. But, so he said, that's <laughs> mental. That was, a, that, was a, that was another audible gasp from the audience. Everyone was like, <gasps> I know, well, there were a lot of rumours about Red Skull being in this. Um, but when that happened, yeah, I completely forgot. I was yeah, I was just like, like oh, what? Man, Jesus. Um, and that, they go to the edge of the, the mountain and he says, the soul stone holds a special place amongst the stones. Mm. And this is important because it alludes to the fact that the soul stone is actually possibly the most important stone. Mm. Um, the only way you can obtain it is through trading a life of something that you love or someone mm. that you sacrifice. love. A sacrifice. Yeah. And, you know, this scene is actually excellently done. Yeah. Because Gamora is fully in belief that Thanos doesn't love her. Mm. I think she's more in the belief that he is incapable of love. Yes. And I think actually the fact that he clearly adores her and Mm. and loves her almost unconditionally at this point. I mean, she's betrayed him in his eyes. Yeah. That whole scene was heartbreaking. It kills her that he, that to know that about him, that he loves her. It Mm. it literally rips her apart. Yeah. I think for, for many, many reasons. I know. When that happened, when this whole scene was going on, I was like, there's no fucking way they're killing Gamora. And then she's dead. Mm. I couldn't believe it was brutal. I started cheering. The Oh God. The, (laughs) The music in this scene is excellent. Yeah. It builds so well. It is so. It's probably the. I'd say up there is the most emotional moment in the film. See, I thought there was yeah. going to be a big trick. I said this on the train back, mm. didn't I, guys? Like, this is me being dumb. But I thought that 
somehow she had like got in contact with the old red skull and said like yeah give him this line about what a setup that's so shit she's texted the red skull and said tell him this I've got to say so let me finish the story but it's garbage it's garbage but go on carry on he'll say like he'll basically give that story and then Thanos would kill Gamora and then wouldn't get the stone and would never know where the stone was that's what I thought was going to happen. No part two. Just God, get especially it like that would have been really good if it somehow made sense. Somehow, text, text <clears throat> well, him. Well, not text him. Contacted him. Red Skull's got a mobile and he uses WhatsApp. Well, just, who knew? Well, I think the most powerful bit of that scene for me was that single tear that came down Thanos' mm, face. Where, mm, you know, Gareth, you said this about how all of the emotion the and the impact from Thanos comes from his eyes. That I mean, that tear and the look on his face was just heartbreaking. Yeah, and with the, with, yeah but with the music as well. Yeah, like, the, that music. Yeah, the score is fantastic. Best time. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's so phenomenal. Good. It's phenomenal, phenomenal scene. that Thanos and Gamora relationship is obviously extremely emotional and a key part of the film there's also a very emotional um, relationship between Scarlet Witch uh, and Vision mm. uh, which I, surprised me how central it was in the film I have to say um, what do you guys think about that and, you know and their relationship um, okay so <clears throat> of all the and this might sound a bit mental to you lot but of all the deaths in this film, the Vision one mm. was the one that I felt the most uh, pain. No, I totally <laughs> agree with you. That broke um, my heart. And I and I tell you for why. I don't think. Well, I mean, look, Loki and maybe Gamora, but Loki's definitely dead. Yeah, he's perma dead. Um, I mean, uh, we're not going to go on to who else dies later on, but. They're all still alive. They're all coming back a hundred percent. Yeah, Vision isn't. Yeah, I think Vision's um, gone. I think he's gone. Unless they like, I don't know. Unless uh, Shuri, Shuri, maybe, yeah, yeah, makes him into some new robot thing, and it's like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. that's possible. I mean, because that would annoy me, though. Yeah, it would annoy me. I think he had a, a tragic death. Yeah, very tragic, and the relationship between Scarlet. Uh, Scarlet Witch and the Vision has been like you know like we referenced you know him just cooking in Civil War and stuff like that in our preview podcast. I mean that was stupid. That was but, stupid. Yeah. But they've been they've been seeding this whole relationship between them for a while. Yeah. Um. And it uh, and this is the best Scarlet Witch has ever been in any of these films. Yeah, she's great. She's great in it. I'm in love with her a bit. <laughs> oh, that's is it the superpowers or just you know physical beauty or just the fact that she's damaged. Or all three. Jesus. Jesus, it got dark. For me, that was... I agree with you, John. I don't think it's mental at all. I think it was the most heartfelt and heartbreaking loss that we had in, in this it film. It was sad for her, though, more than him. Well, I She don't had know. to kill him, 
and then see it all be redone. But I, I mean, think... he he was getting his head blown off, so I'd imagine he'd felt some sort of. He's sadness. dead. He's fine. She has to live with yeah, that. Yeah, but he had to go through the dying. But I think I think it was for me actually. It was one of the best relationships that we saw throughout the course of this film. I thought it was really well set up. I yeah, thought it felt was really. Real. It felt really real, but it felt really human. Well, the irony being that one of them's some sort of robot cross, and the other one's a freak. <laughs> beautiful freak. Yeah, yeah a yeah, beautiful yeah. freak. Lovely hair freak. In this relationship setup that we get, and you know, saying they've been sheltering in Scotland, mm. lovely Scotland. We Why? get. I don't know. It's just quite secluded. Maybe. Nice. Obviously, the Black Order show up again. Some somehow they completely disable vision. Like we were saying, how open. No, he's not. He's one of the most powerful. He's shitting this again. He doesn't show his power. He is shitting this, but something to do with the glaive obviously means that he can't phase. But we get the amazing reveal of Captain America returning to the fold. Yeah. So in the moment of absolute peril, the train goes past. Cap steps out of the shadows. In comes Black Widow. In comes Falcon. Amazing uh, action sequence here as well. Excellent. And that was another whoop from the from the audience. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. E- even though everyone knew it was coming because it's in the trailer. trailer. Yeah, hundred percent. I like his beard and his hair, by the way. I yeah, think he's that is, good. It's, can you, it's good on him. Can you imagine if they'd have? Because uh, there are loads of things, obviously, in the trailer that that don't happen. Can you imagine if they'd have edited that and have the, tra- the train go past and you get a little build up? It's like oh, who's in who's in the shadows? It's Falcon. <laughs> what? <laughs> Disappointing. But this was amazing, and they essentially damage the Black Order, Black Order fly off and the Avengers return because they haven't been there for a while. Two years apparently since Civil War has passed. Mm. They return to the Avengers headquarters uh, to sort of drum up a plan of uh, of, of what to do next um, and to stop Thanos and they know that obviously Vision, bless him, uh, has the stone in his head in his noggin. His little noggin. His little noggin. <laughs> his noggin. Yeah. So uh, they want to take that obviously so they figure right where can we where can we take vision where's the best place to go and obviously just because they had a billion pound uh, hit a couple of months ago wakanda so man it's it's great to be back in wakanda um i only very recently saw black panther actually and um then i listened to an excellent podcast on it oh yeah Um, oh yeah i'll be sure to listen to mark kermode um (laughs) (laughs) it is a cool place and pretty well hidden and they've got an excellent tech chick there as well i think that's what they're calling them yeah yeah Yeah. tech chicks they go they go to wakanda and they try and figure out that a way of saving vision without having to kill him because Mm. basically the idea is hey we can destroy this stone and then there's no way that Thanos can get all six. There's no way that he can destroy half the universe. Solid plan. Mm. Uh, but they obviously don't want to kill. Oh, Cap, once again, with his very strong moral compass, is like, yeah. no, we're not trading lives. We don't trade lives, yeah. We don't trade lives. Yeah. We bounce around again because this film, obviously, uh, <clears throat> so many, so many people to get on screen. It's absolutely insane. So we are going to bounce around now and we are going to head to Titan, which yeah. is where... Tony, uh, Tony, and Doctor Strange, and Spider Man, and the Guardians are also there because mm. uh, Nebula, once she broke free of her shackles, which she did, uh, she sent a beacon to the Guardians saying, "Get to Titan." Uh, but the brilliant thing about this scene is the fact that when the Guardians arrive and when uh, the Avengers arrive, they don't know each other, mm. right? So you get this amazing sort of battle that they have and this this funny dialogue between them. Uh, just just so good 
Did you guys like the first interaction between oh, yeah. between Tony Stark and especially Star-Lord? I thought what was really interesting about this was that um, Star-Lord dominated this battle. Like, he was kicking ass, which is, is really interesting because he kind of, because obviously he's such a, a funny character and he's a bit bumbly at times. You forget, I think, how good he is at what he what he does um but he was he was giving iron man a bit of a kick in at times um so it just shows you that you know he's he's pretty powerful he's not a uh, he's not he's not just a joke uh, there's the amazing um piece of dialogue that happens here though which is easily one of the funniest moments in the film which uh, you know where's where's gamora? gamora who's gamora i'll go one better was why, it? Is why, why is yeah, Gamora? Why is Gamora? <laughs> Drax, once again, yeah. stealing the show. Excellent. Excellent. So, so good. Uh, but they're trying to come up with a plan to destroy Thanos or at least get the gauntlet or something or stop him winning. Mm. Um, and as we referenced earlier, or as Gaz referenced earlier, uh, Doctor Strange uses the Time Stone, the Eye of Agamotto, the best takeaway in Balam, uh, to go forward in time <laughs> and find how many outcomes... Uh, they're actually successful in. He comes back, he says 40, over 14 million, one. You know, the odds aren't good. Mm. They're very, 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 very bad. Um, so there's only one outcome. And then the scene sort of ends there. And, you know, guys, what do you think about when that was revealed? Obviously, you're like, well, fucking hell, the stakes are absolutely massive then. But did you think that, and I've watched it twice now, so I've had a bit of a, of a luxury of seeing the battle that ensues next mm. twice. Mm. Did you think that any of the battle that you saw afterwards could have been fake in any way, shape or form, like acting from some of the characters. No. So alluding to the battle on Titan, when uh, Thanos shows up, um, basically this one outcome that Doctor Strange has seen involves them losing at this stage, but they need to make Thanos believe at this point that he, because he's very clever. He's like, you know, the intelligence of Stark level clever Thanos as well. They need to make him believe that he has succeeded, legitimately beaten them. Right. So if that's right? the case, which bit of the battle do you think, or you proposing then, yeah. may be fake? assuming the Star-Lord thing. The Star-Lord bit, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm assuming is, is maybe so it's a not Star-Lord's plan. plan, it's Doctor Strange's plan then. 100%. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and basically, even if that isn't the case, right, it is probable that the only outcome in which they're victorious is where they lose and it is where Tony Stark is alive because he comes up with the plan or something mm. to or he is the only one who can defeat well yeah Thanos. he needs to be alive he needs to be alive his expertise is needed in the yeah. defeat of Thanos remember on the on the spaceship he says like if it it comes to between me saving the time stone or you or the kid I'm changing the, I'm saving the time stone and Tony Stark's like oh yeah moral compass but you think, oh, he's not, is he being lame? And he's like, oh, I've changed my view. I'm going to save Tony Stark. No, he he's seen the future and Tony Stark needs to be in it. He's playing the long game. Them. Exactly. He, yeah. yeah, and he even says, and we'll talk about this battle now because we may as well, we're here. Um, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. This battle on Titan is arguably my favourite part of the film. There's just something about the where it's set on this, you know, dying planet and it just looks awesome. Uh, and you finally get the use of all of these superpowers working together. Yeah. Like the use of um, Doctor Strange using his little oh, portals yeah, but, uh, and Star-Lord flying <clears throat> in and out and Spider-Man flying in left, right, and centre and Iron Man using his new nano suit. It's just awesome, right? I think uh, um, look, the Doctor Strange film uh, looks amazing. Yeah. And, I mean, Doctor Strange in this part in particular, 
those powers make for a great piece of like set pieces. Oh, 100%. Um, Star-Lord... Flying uh, in and out yeah, of them. Flying the bird, uh, flipping the bird and then yeah. uh, jumping backwards into a portal. Yeah. Um, so good. I mean, so good. And then so Spider-Man good. flying through the portals going, magic, magic again, <laughs> yeah. magic a third time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, just, it looked amazing. And, and the bit where they kind of, they had him. Yes. Uh, looked amazing as well. Yes. Um, so you know, just the way it was like set up with Mantis falling out of the sky. Onto very his good head. plan. Like, it just looked great. It looked great. And at this point, you know, you're thinking this is that one outcome. You know, they've, they've done everything by the book here and it's working. And then obviously <clears throat> Star-Lord uh, discovers the fact that Gamora is dead. Mm. Uh, and understandably, I guess, loses his shit. But I think when that, it annoyed me. I think this, it annoyed is, a lot of people. This is why it annoyed me. This is why I think it might be acting mm. in a way because they see that this is the one way it has to happen. They have to lose this way. They have to make him believe that he has won. Mm. It's, a, it's a big trick because it annoyed me that he would re- risk the whole universe. Although he is an emotional character. Even if it is a, you know, it's a play and they're in on it, maybe he's not and maybe they knew that that was how he would react and mm. they'd kind of surmise that that was the only way he could get the soul stone. Maybe they know more than Maybe. than, they, than we think they do. Yeah. I, I'm 100% certain that, you know, Doctor Strange has seen the end game here yeah, and yeah, he yeah, knows yeah. that they have yeah. to lose, be it this yeah. was all an act or whatever. That I don't disagree with. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we'll come on to, I think, one of the emotional, most emotional parts of this battle, which is where uh, they almost get the glove off. It's so close. I've watched it twice. It's tantalizingly close. Mm. It's literally off his hand. Just do um, it. And basically, Iron Man gets absolutely pissed. Mm. <gasps> I did literally. <gasps> the whole in the audience just it went dead quiet. Apart from me going. <gasps> well, after the big gasp, it, it was silent. It was so emotional. Mm. Um, and that was when I thought our prediction of Iron Man uh, being the one to go in this film, or Cap being the one to go was our other prediction, um, was going to come true. But that's where we get this amazing reveal with Doctor Strange giving up the Time Stone. So guys, what do you think about Doctor Strange trading the Time Stone for Tony Stark's life? Uh, when it first happened, I was like, what's he doing? Yeah. What are you doing, man? Y- yes. Um, yeah, so that that annoyed me. Uh, but then I guess what, what uh, when my emotions calmed down, this is not the easiest film to watch. Um I was kind of like, right, okay, I can kind of, I know what he's doing. He's obviously, he's he's bringing it back to that plan that he was talking about earlier, the the one the one in fourteen million yeah. thing that they have to do. Um, would have been bloody funny if Iron Man would have uh, been one of the people that disappeared. Like, oh, fuck this up completely. Well, he must be able to see yeah, who's yeah, going to yeah, die. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I, I uh, when Iron Man took that blow, did I think he was dead? Mm, I don't think so. Only because knowing the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the importance of Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man, but more Robert Downey Jr., I feel like when his time comes to die, it will be on like the sort of stage where everyone can see it. Yeah. Um, and I was saying this to a, a mate of mine uh, yesterday. I feel like when his time comes, it will be the thing to to bring everyone together. It will be it will be like a a Phil Coulson death in Avengers, Avengers but on a, a far bigger and better scale. Yeah, because it's it's Tony Stark for fuck's sakes. I don't know because in that moment, I was genuinely fearful for 
that we'd lost Iron Man, that we'd lost Tony Stark. And mm. right in that moment, it was quite a shock. I really yeah, thought yeah, he was yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah. I and, was and I suspect uh, that it would be for a lot of people. Yeah. But just in in that scenario, if, if we were talking about it being in New York or something like that, then I, I could see him dying. Just not on Titan where no one can see it happen. It, yeah. His death doesn't feel like it's going to be a, I, you know he's dead. Go on, Tony. No. No way, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, and that that is the sort of dialogue it would be. Yeah, probably Gamora texting fucking Red Skull. Can um, you just let everyone know that, that would have been good. Dead? Yeah. yeah. Pop it in the WhatsApp group. Yeah. <laughs> She's got one of those phones where you have to pay extra like per text and you only have a certain number of characters. But there's the amazing bit after he gives up the time stone and says, look, if you spare his life, I will give you the stone. No tricks. And... Thanos just takes the stone, leaves, and then Tony uh, looks across at Doctor Strange and says, why have you done that? And he said, we're in the end game now. So that's the line there where you kind of get in the sense that he knows yeah, what's going to happen. It would have been nice if he'd have told him more than that, though. Yeah, yeah. but that would just we're be... We're in the end game now. Tell- no, what do you mean? We're going to move back yeah. to uh, Wakanda. Wakanda, Wakanda. <laughs> At this point, these guys do not know that Thanos has the Time Stone. Yeah. So, but the plan stays the same. They need to destroy the Mind Stone. Literally, as they're trying to do that, drop ships drop down. Two more of the Black Order members, Proxima Midnight and not Black Dwarf. That's the way he's been. Re- he's been renamed. He's been <laughs> um, renamed. Black- Carl Obsidian. Carl Obsidian. Carl Obsidian. Yeah, yeah. Drop down. Black Obsidian. No, I just want to call him Carl Urban. The land with uh, scary spider alien teeth. Things. It's like venom. I'll tell you what, though, I've had bad dreams about those demodog venom dogs for the last three nights. It's not been pleasant. So we have Black Panther, Cap, Falcon, Bucky. Bucky's back. <laughs> Bucky's bloody back, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And he's yeah. got and he's got his new he's the got White Wolf. The White Wolf, his new name, which we said in the Black Panther podcast. It's a comic book character. We've got now Bruce Banner in the Hulk armor, the Hulkbuster armor, Boo. because uh, Hulk refuses to come out again. I hate the Hulkbuster. I don't like it. It just looks like an overweight Iron Man. Yeah, he's chunky, isn't he? While Shuri is trying to take the Mind Stone from Vision's head, uh, guarded by Scarlet Witch, uh, you've got, obviously, the Black Panther, everyone on the field of play, Okoye, the Dormilaji, all of the Mountain Tribe, all of the, basically, all of the Wakandan warriors ready to defend and buy enough time for Shuri to remove the Mind Stone. I thought the battle was awesome. Uh, I thought the little build-up beforehand, Black Panther kind of uh, G'ing everyone up. I thought, yep. Loving this. Wakanda forever. Get this man a shield. It, well, yeah, I mean, don't say it like that either. No, get this um, man a shield. Get that man a shield. Braveheart. <laughs> um, that was yeah. a while ago as well. That. William Wallace. Yeah. But not much of Black Panther in this film. Not, oh. as, not as much as we thought. Yeah. Well, None, really. There was a lot of talk that if they did kill off Captain America or Iron Man, uh, even if it was in this one or the next one, uh, that they're kind of placing him to be the de facto new leader, leader of the mm. the new Avengers, I guess. The editing going um, between Wakanda and Titan lessened the impact of the battle scenes in Wakanda a bit. It is a bit heavy, isn't it? Yes. Mm. I think it was like one after the other and you kind of, my head was spinning a bit trying to catch up with it. And there seemed to be so much ex- at stake in each scene that I felt like, it lost the flow of the battle in Wakanda a bit. Like for me, I, I know what you're saying. It's because um, it can be a bit discombobulating. 
There you go. Good word. Um, if you're switching back and forth. But I think because there was so much at stake, you kind of, um, even when you left it, you sort of knew, you still had it in your head what was going on, where people were, because uh, you're so invested. Um, I didn't mind the switching between. I thought um, I thought it was kind of natural because there were two big events happening simultaneously and and it kind of had to be done and to be fair i think that one of my concerns one of my concerns i don't i don't actually remember saying i thought this would be the biggest disappointment but i did definitely say that i was a bit concerned as to how they were going to manage all of these characters and all of these personalities and um i think it's something that they did manage to do very well and part of that was having having these two huge scenes happening simultaneously i thought i thought it worked pretty well it was a good um, good juxtaposition, I thought. But then we also, in this whole section, get cutaways to Thor's little group um, of Rocket, Groot and Thor <laughs> going to Nibidavir, the uh, the place where his hammer was built. Oh, yeah, I forgot about this. Which is a forge made out of a dying star. Pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, visually awesome. Mm. Um, they arrive at the forge. Um, and I couldn't believe this, guys, I have to say. I um I cannot believe we have Peter Dinklage hated it playing a dwarf that's a giant that is a giant <laughs> a giant dwarf right that's absolutely hated it that dwarf how have they pitched this to him right you know Tyrion Lannister giant big Tyrion Lannister he's, I'm familiar I've made my career on it yeah he's literally exactly the same voice as Tyrion yeah can yeah. I can I have my voice no 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 you've got to do just a deeper voice isn't of that Tyrion. actually just Peter Dinklage's voice no he's no. an American oh, okay. um. I fucking hated this. It was a bit cheesy. It's almost offensive. It's yeah. almost offensive, isn't it? It's borderline. I kind of liked it. I was like, it's pretty cool. He spent his whole life being a lot smaller than everybody. And look now, you guys, you just don't understand what it's like for us. He did look a bit silly. He yeah. did look a bit yeah. silly. Some of the dialogue that he did deliver was yeah, very funny. We learned that Thanos went there to have the gauntlet made, murdered all the dwarves, but left um, Indri there. With his hands, f- you know, fucked. He can't ever make stuff again. Why has he left him there? I don't know. Torture, it, it, punishment. That, that's the side of Thanos. What, though? It's interesting because we only he kills 50% of the population, but yet he wiped out all the dwarves. Well, yeah, So, but you would understand if he was like, well, look, I'll wipe them all out because they've got the ability to make that's a, good point. a weapon that's going to hurt me. Good point. But that, then why leave him then? They, we go to make Stormbreaker. Uh <gasps> Thor's new weapon, uh, Rocket, says, what's it called? Stormbreaker. Bit much. Um, <laughs> you know, good comedy again. Yeah. Um, and the only way to obviously do it is to restart the dying star. Thor, apparently now we learn, can fly in space. Uh, he's pretty much indestructible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then Tyrion says, obviously his name isn't Tyrion, but he says, um, you'll die. And Thor says, only if it kills me. That's what dying means. <laughs> yeah, that's what dying is. <laughs> that that was also one of the funniest moments of the film. That sure. was quite funny. Yeah. That, was that was hilarious. Funny. And Tyrion, it was it was such a Tyrion face that Dinklage pulled when he said that line. Mm. It was it was amazing. I had a hope that, I mean, and it was a slim one, uh, and it like at, right now it seemed ridiculous, but I had this hope that Silver Surfer would turn up and Pete Dinklage oh would be voicing Silver Surfer. If that would have happened, I'd have burst into tears. Uh, it didn't. It didn't happen. Uh, instead, we got Pete Dinklage just playing giant Tyrion. I was uh, oh, fuck. With dreadlocks. Off. Pointless. Um, but we get that amazing line uh, where, he needs the axe. 
He needs the axe. Where is the handle? Tree, tree, help me find the handle. What sort of amateur operation is this? Yeah, what, what is he doing? He didn't he know that he was going to be making yeah. it. What do you mean he didn't know he was going to be what making it? What do you mean? It? it was all a bit of a shock. I just turned up and he's like, you must make Stormbreaker. And he's like, I don't have any hands. You wouldn't go, right, let's make some dinner, turn the oven on and yeah, go, we have no food. food. It makes absolutely no sense. He, they've, he's made the axe. Presumably to make the axe, like get all your parts ready. Also, <laughs> why else is is teenage Groot there? Well, well, yeah, well there and this is the amazing thing is, you know, Groot Randall. has this amazing moment where he finally puts down his video game. Finally, finally, yes. John's cheering, yes. and it, the music's swelling, and he makes this awesome looking handle for the axe. It looks wicked. Yeah, uh, and then you see the little flickers of lightning. The very next scene you get is back in Wakanda when all our heroes are getting absolutely destroyed. Bifrost comes in, axe, lightning axe flying around, Thor drops in, and then he says, Bring me Thanos! And then I I genuinely went mental. And the guys that I went to see it with were like, Jesus, man, what was that noise that came out of you when that happened? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, a very sensual noise, I'll say that. But uh, it was awesome. And I will just, as soon as this podcast finishes, I'll go back to doing what I've been doing all weekend, which is watching that scene over and over and over again. again. Unbelievable. And you can see how powerful he is. He's like this this amazing lightning storm hit thing that just wipes out thousands of things. For, For him to be back was one thing. For him to fucking call Thanos out was another thing. For him to fly into the sky and then just smash like... I don't he just know, looked amazing. Two or three hundred of these little venom yeah. things. Yeah, uh, that was unbelievable. The battle rages on, guys. It rages on for quite a while, um, and it looks for all the life of us that like these giant flying disc things that come out of nowhere are going to uh, going to kill some of our heroes. Yeah, but Scarlet Witch abandons her post guarding Vision. Bad Uh-oh. move. And goes and saves everyone. And then Okoye says, what's she been doing up there all this time? <laughs> that was my thoughts exactly. I was like, good yes, point, Okoye. Yeah. Very good That's point. what I've been thinking. Yeah, I have to say, I would clearly be a terrible like tactician in, in war. Because when it cut to um, Shuri cutting out the, the stone, and then we saw that, that Scarlet Witch was there... I was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you there? You Surely you'd be quite helpful down on the battlefield. She's <laughs> one of the most but powerful ones. I didn't ones. think for a moment, I didn't think for a moment, maybe they need somebody up there to protect them in case anything goes wrong. Um, and that's obviously what happened. They wanted her out of there. Well, because wow. immediately it was, she's gone, he's not protected, off you trot, let's get the stone. That leads to the final showdown in the forest with all of our heroes trying their hardest to stop Thanos, who now has five Infinity Stones and is pretty much indestructible. Mm. They're literally getting battered away in slow motion in yeah. horrendous ways. Yeah. Like using the Reality Stone, using the Space Stone, using all the stones you know, with their respective powers to, to literally just cast them aside. Well, look, uh, I mean, that, that scene is unbelievable. Uh, and the music that plays oh, yeah. from uh, Alan Silvestri. Oh, yes. I Feel You, I think, is the, uh, is the track. That is stunning.
Yes. Um, the setup of that where he just wipes the floor with them um, is excellent. The fact that Cap manages to get some sort of offense in yeah. is amazing. And then, Jesus, like... The punch to the face that he takes. Oh my I god! Like, she killed him there. Is he dead? Now? <laughs> I, I like, didn't think he'd, he'd I was like, like he folded him in half. I was like, <laughs> oh my word. Same with Black Panther. He got absolutely KO'd. <laughs> I was sitting there going, Jesus, yeah. man. And then uh, you obviously get that bit where uh, Wonder is holding him off whilst trying ki- to trying to destroy, destroy ki- so kill hard. her love vision. Yeah. I mean. And the, as you mentioned, the music there, it's another excellent moment yeah. where it builds perfectly to this point where you mm. see the stone cracking and it breaks. And it's this moment where as an audience and, you know, as a, as people who have like maybe read the comics and invested in the, the, the sort of world that they live in, you're sitting there thinking, but guys, he's got the time stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got the time stone and it's there's nothing you can do. And there, like you said, John, that moment where they bring Vision back and then kill him. Mm. That is Ruthless. fucking. That is horrible. Yeah. So it was just all for nothing. Like that's from from Wanda's perspective. Yeah, she went through yeah. all of that, and it's like he's going to do it anyway. In these final scenes, Olsen and Bethany for me were stand out. Yeah. Like absolute fucking stand out. They were amazing. Mm. Thanos uses the stone uh, that he's newly acquired from Titan and the other guys, and uh, basically brings Vision back. Fucking murders him. Brutal. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. Grabs just... the last stone. And you're, I'm literally sitting there going, God, I did not think when this film came out that he would have all six by the end of this film. Yeah. No. I was sitting there going, no way is he going to have six. I thought he'd have like four and they're not, not four, but they'd have four stones and it, it'd stop him some, like stop him from getting the soul stone maybe somehow. Yeah. But then out of nowhere, speaking of Thor, um, Stormbreaker flies in and this is awesome. Oh my God. Yeah. This was, this was the moment where the film just was already in 11 and it's just gone another level. You've got... <laughs> Thanos using the Infinity Gauntlet with all of its power to try and bring this axe down, it mm. cuts through it like butter mm. and literally hits him bang in the chest. Yeah. And you've got this amazing line from Thor is, I told you, you'd, you'd die for that. Really Pet. affectionate as well, Re- weird. Yeah, puts his hand, like, puts his hand his over his head. head. Yeah. yeah, but like a... Should have aimed for the head. Should have aimed for the head. Like, actually, in regards to that, you should have aimed for the fucking arm and chopped the gauntlet mm. off. However, done. when Gamora says he could destroy the whole universe or half the universe with a click of his fingers like that, you think, oh yeah, he could do it really easily. He's like, oh no, he could actually just click his fingers and do it. I didn't yeah, realise yeah. that. It was that yeah, simple. Yeah, yeah. And the moment where it just pans across dead silent after that stirring oh, music it's giving me anxiety it just, again it just it just clicks I, I, I could not believe it yeah. in the comic he does click his fingers as well mm. um, I did not think and John I know you're with me on this one and yeah. I you know I don't think I didn't think they were going to go there yeah I, I well certainly not I didn't think not in this film his, yeah I mean uh, when he clicked his when he clicked his fingers I was like what what the fuck uh, but again, it then happened at the same time as him going in to see um, a young Gamora, Gamora. In the Soul Stone. Yeah. So I was kind of like, well, has he actually done that or what's going on here? It kind of, it, 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 yeah, so it held that kind of suspense, I guess. Um, and then there's that beautiful dialogue between those where it's like... Did you do it? Did you do it? Um, what did it cost? And uh, he says everything. Everything, yeah. yeah. And that's another thing, you know, we've said about Thanos and the fact that he's a very well fleshed out villain. Mm. And we, you know, you can see the agony in, his, in the mm. place that he's had to do it. He said he's denied his destiny once before yeah. uh, and, he, and he's not going to do it again. This scene where Thanos goes inside what we believe to be the Soul Stone, oh. um, 
and sees Gamora is actually an extremely important scene because it is believed, and we'll come on to it in a minute, that the Soul Stone, when it kills people, houses all of their souls in a pocket universe. Mm. So that's what happens in the comic. Basically, everyone gets wiped out, um, but they're not dead. They're actually trapped within the Soul Stone. We hope that all of our heroes are trapped within the stone. Well, and him, I mean, it's, it's a fact that is what's yeah. happened. And seeing Gamora there is proof that her soul is there still. Yeah. So that's important as well. Mm. Um, we also see that the gauntlet is fucked at this point. Yeah. Absolutely charred. That one motion of clicking his fingers has charred it. Maybe can't be used ever again. It looks like it's fucked, gone. That would be silly, though, wouldn't it? I don't think he's going to be able to use it again. Well, but the stones are fine. We get the... Uh, this, this next bit is just... Too much. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Silence. We've had that stirring music. Silence now. Yeah. And people are just disappearing left, right and centre. But in this horrific, charred, hmm. like, leaf-blowing-away thing that's going on... Disintegration. Disintegration, yeah. It's gentle in a way, though, I think. It's, peace- yeah. it's, 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 it's eerily beautiful in a way, isn't mm. it? You've got Bucky first, so we lose Bucky. Yeah. And that's right in front of Cap's eyes. Okoye doesn't disappear, but she sees uh, T'Challa disappear. This is no place to die. (laughs) That's brutal. Yeah. You see Sam, i.e. Falcon, disappear. War Machine's like, Sam, where are you, Sam? Mr. Sam? Um, (laughs) then 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 we go across to Titan, and we've got... Oh, this is brutal. Yeah, this is bad. The fucking... Oh, Groot's gone as well, by the way. FYI. Jesus. And then, on Titan, we lose Drax, Mantis, Star-Lord, and Doctor Strange. (laughs) And then, the most brutal moment in the film, I think... I think this is when I, you know, got teary, is the moment where Peter... Spider-Man realises he's, go- yeah. he's going to go. I don't want to go, Mr. Uh, Stark. I don't, I, I don't want to go. He's like, he's. you can see he's like fighting against it and he knows what's happening and he's so scared of it and that's 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 so upsetting. Whereas with a lot of the others, it's pretty quick, isn't it? And they're like, just into dust. He knows as it's happening and it's heartbreaking. Apart from, apart from... John McCann, who clearly has no heart and, and yeah. touched by this one. Yeah, and, and there's a telling line from um, telling line from Doctor Strange here where he says, Tony, there was no other way. And you uh, and then he disappears. And you get this amazing backlit shot that we've seen in the trailers of, of Tony, like literally just clutching mm. nothingness, looking yeah. very depressed. It's just him and Nebula now left there. So Nebula's obviously got a ship there. Hopefully they Romance. can... Jesus, that'd be. All oh, right, okay. What about Pierre? Yeah. Fuck Pepper. Um, but <laughs> but um, so obviously they're going to hopefully get him back to Earth, and this is where the Avengers are going to finally reunite, and we're going to have hopefully. Well, what's left of them? Well, we're going to have a hopefully an amazing oh, scene. We've got with, the originals. Yeah, we've got the originals. Thor's there, it's fine. We've got all the originals. So hopefully we're going to have uh, that amazing reunion between Cap and Iron Man, mm. um, and there's going to be a lot of emotional fallout there because they'll be thinking. If we didn't have this split up, what what could we have done if we were all together here? We mm. might have been able to save half the universe. So they're going to have a lot of inner turmoil to deal with, I think, uh, and reconciliation to go through. I'd imagine they're going to come together and be like, look, we need Ant-Man. And then I'm going to walk out the cinema. Mm. However, however long it is in. Ten minutes, whatever. Yeah. We needed Ant-Man. We yeah. knew from the beginning he was the key. Yeah. I'll walk out. Is that the most shocking ending 
you've seen for a very long time or ever, perhaps? I was pretty shocked because, as I said at the start of the podcast, I'd kind of forgotten about um, part two. So I was like, they're all dead. They're all gone. You blew it up, you monster. <laughs> and then people were like, yeah, but they'll probably come back in part two, won't they? And I was like, oh, yeah. For me, it was less shocked um, or glad to be honest, uh, more emotionally battered. I just felt like I'd gone through such a roller coaster of emotions that the ending didn't shock me as much as I think it could have done. It just, it bashed the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> I was buzzing because a, uh, a Disney-owned property to, uh, to be ballsy enough to kill half of the cast. Yeah. And we're not talking like, oh, Vision and... Hawkeye and uh, Falcon, they're all dead. No, 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 no. We're talking the Guardians of the Galaxy. All of them, apart, apart from, from Rocket. Rocket, the best one. Um, we're talking Spider-Man. We're talking Black Panther. However, the biggest issue I have with that is that it makes it too obvious that, the, it, that death isn't permanent. So how can you... How can you have that kind of emotional, oh my God, I can't believe they did that. Because you know they're all coming back in the next one anyway. Yeah, yeah somehow. So it's kind of like, I guess, um, imagine like Lord of the Rings, where you've got Gandalf when he dies, and it's like that. that Spoiler kill- warning. Well, again, if you've not seen Lord of the Rings, what are you doing <laughs> with your life, man? But, uh, well, probably more interesting things, potentially. But Gandalf dies, he comes back in the second one, and that is one of my favourite film moments when he comes back in the second one. That doesn't work when you've got 12 people coming back in the second one. So for me, there's something to be said about um, the ones that died actually being the ones that live on beyond the next one. Yeah, good point. So if if you look at the group of people, I said in in our preview pod that, you know, Cap, Iron Man or Thor, they're they're the leaders. They're the free leading characters. If you kill one of them off in this film, that is powerful. Um that they're not they're all still alive very much alive irrespective of whether or not iron man's been stabbed in the stomach and he's knocking about on titan somewhere um i'm sure he'll be fine he'll work it out but i'd um apart from thor i want him to live forever obviously uh but the others i I think it would be good it would be a nice tie up at the end of infinity war for uh, for it to be the reverse, like they almost sacrifice themselves because to bring the others back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the passing of the torch moment, which we've yeah. said has been coming for a long time in these Marvel films. Yeah. And yeah, I mean the ending, brutal, surprising, emotional, draining. Uh, every- funny, you know, at times. Uh, no, not funny. <laughs> Just generally left us speechless. And I have to say, in my opinion, this is the best Marvel film ever released. Um, yeah. It lives up to the hype, in my opinion, and more. And as I said, I've never had more fun it, in the it, cinema. Yeah, I mean, it is the best one, but it has to be very thankful for having so many films beforehand. Yeah, over yeah about 18, stretch. yeah. That's why it's so successful. Yeah. And I guess the last thing to talk about uh, is just the post credit scene, mm-hmm. uh, which we stuck around for. There is a post credit scene, only one. Happens at the very, very, very end of the credits. So he's usually about two, but there's only one this time. Uh, and we see the fallout from what Thanos has done, clicking his fingers. We get Nick Fury uh, and the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We see the, uh, the the chaos, you know, people just vaporizing in front of their eyes. And we lose Fury. But before we lose Fury, we almost get a swear word. We almost get a motherfucker in there. Yep. So good. Classic. Would be Samuel, Samuel L. Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. And we also get the pager 
uh, to Carol Danvers, uh, yeah. Captain Marvel, which Whoa. we and we know we know the only two films to come out before the next Avengers are Ant Man and the Wasp, which is set before the events of this film. Yeah, and we also have Captain Marvel coming out, which is set uh, in the nineteen nineties. So we know that that is not going to fuck up the timeline in any way, shape or form, but it's going to be amazing to see Captain Marvel, mm. who is essentially one of the most OP, overpowered well, yeah. heroes in the universe. And, yeah, and if you thought she was overpowered before, she is going to be ridiculously overpowered now because she's clearly getting involved to... Kill Thanos. Yeah, to wield the gauntlet, reverse yeah. everything and blah, blah, blah. Mm. Yeah. Are there... And actually, I'll, I'll throw this out to you, Gaz... Are there issues here that we know that the Captain Marvel movie uh, is set in the 90s? Um, Why has she not got involved in anything up until this point? Why has Nick Fury never mentioned, Mm -hmm. particularly who's putting together this Avengers initiative, why has he never mentioned that he's got a beeper to someone that's more powerful than all of them? Yeah, well, that's the big big issue, isn't it? And it's the, um, the big... Um, question that's being asked pretty much everywhere and it's like a juice ex machina kind of thing isn't it um and i suppose they haven't come to her before because they haven't needed to they've had they've had a like a bloody god norse god on their side in thor like it's it's not like they've had to go to um i don't know is she is she like in emergency break glass or in emergency yeah. page so captain marvel <clears throat> so there's a, there's a theory um, there's a theory floating about that she's actually in a different um like timeline mm. she's not yeah she so she's not in this version of events yeah yeah and in the comics she has done bits with doctor strange Huh? Which makes oh. me think done bits, yeah, done bits. You know, she's just kicked around with him a bit and like solved sol- around with sol- him. Netflix sol- and sol- chill. Some problems. We'll do it the scale list today out of six Infinity Stones. So if you think it is or very gems. good, or gem, well, gems in the comics. If you think it's good, give it a six. If you think it's bad, give it a one. And you can't do a half because you can't split. Yeah, you can't split a stone. All be killed. So you can't do any halves. So John, coming to you first. What is your review number? Um. Now, don't get upset by this. Oh, my God, don't you dare. No, <laughs> but um, I still don't know where the Soul Stone is, so I have to give it five out of six. See, that's a little reference to our preview pod. Um, I'm going to give it six out of six, obviously. Six out of six. Yes. Okay, Emma? Um, I am going to give it full house six out of six. Six out of six. Four, then. Four yeah. out of six. Uh. Gaz, coming to you next. Um, I am 100% giving it 100%. Oh, my God. Six out of six. Uh, Coming to Lucy next. Um, I considered giving it a five, but you know what? Six out of six. Oh, my God, guys. It's the first thing we've ever reviewed that has got the full house. Six out of six for me as well. It's the highest rated fan critical film ever but guys i want to say thanks i mean this has been a long time coming this Mm. podcast and it's been a long time recording Mm. um lovely stuff but Mm. i want to say thanks to everyone um i want to also plug our other 
our other stuff. Yes. Um, if you have enjoyed this, please subscribe to our channel on any podcast app, be it uh, iTunes or an Android one, or we're also on Spotify. So uh, follow us on any of those mediums, please. And it's easy. The episode gets downloaded straight to your phone. And if you want to listen to it, you can. And if you don't want to, just forget about it. Get rid of it. Forget about it. Um, We have an amazing Westworld podcast. And if you haven't watched Westworld, I would highly recommend it. Uh, We cover it every single week. So we release an episode every Tuesday night here in the UK. uh, Talking about that episode. We talk about all the crazy theories involved. And yeah, it's really fun. Mm. Um, Other than that, we will be covering more films in the future. We will be covering Deadpool 2. And also... Solo, a Star Wars story, which oh, is out in the next. We're not covering that, are we? Of course, we bloody well are, oh, John. We love on. Star Wars here. So, guys, yeah, please uh, subscribe to us if you can. That'd be amazing. Or leave us a review or whatever, you know. Hey, any support is good support. So, yeah. thanks a lot, guys. We really do appreciate it. I want to say thanks to John. Thanks, mate. Thanks to Emma and Lucy. You're welcome. I love Thor. Bye, guys. Thanks, mate. Cheers, buddy. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bring, Bring me, me that ass! <laughs> <laughs>